You are listening to the Horse Radio Network, part of the Equine Network family. This is episode 98 of the Wisdom by Wessa show on the Horse Radio Network. This is Mike Donnell. I'm Casey Wilbanks-Coletti. And this is Sophia Aguila. Welcome to Wisdom by Wessa on the Horse Radio Network, part of the Equine Network family. This podcast is brought to you by the Western and English Sales Association, WESA, which provides the world's largest trade events for retailers, manufacturers, and sales representatives of the equestrian industry. In this podcast, we feature exclusive interviews with noteworthy Western and English personalities, retailers, and exhibitors who you've always wanted to talk to. Don't miss out on all the news for manufacturers and retailers in the equine industry. Sophia, the WESA board. Uh, meets a few times every year, and at the last meeting, uh, which they just wrapped up, we presume there were some important decisions made for people to know about. What were they? Yes, that is correct. So the majority of the association's membership actually voiced feedback about the WESA trade show show day pattern. So instead of the previous Thursday to Sunday pattern, they actually prefer a Wednesday through Saturday pattern. And the board listened and voted to change the show day pattern accordingly. So that means that change will go into effect starting with the August 2023 WESA trade show. So the August trade show is going to kick off on the 23rd of August. Is that right? Yes, that's correct. The dates are updated on the website, which again is westsidetradeshow.com and speaking of the August Westside Trade Show, the board is actually also offering the membership a unique opportunity to earn three points for participating in the August um, 2023 show. So just a little bit of an explanation and background for those who don't know, the temporary booth spaces are assigned by seniority points, which means the more points you hold, the sort of a better location you will be assigned. So that's why this chance now to get an extra point for the August show is a special one, and you can submit your contract in April of 2023. Okay, now you mentioned the board of directors. Uh, How can someone be considered to join the board? So if you are a WESA member and you want to make your voice heard and become a WESA board member, you can either nominate yourself or you can nominate a friend of yours. Um, you can just do that by emailing Tracy Anderson at tanderson at westsidetrader.com. And then after that, the membership just has to vote for you to elect you as a board member. And yep, that's all. Additional expertise and knowledge and help is always appreciated. All right. I'd like to add one more question here. How long is a term? It is a couple of years and then you can move up to the board uh, directors after that as well. What happens when someone with a fabric, clothing, and fashion design background decides she wants to get into the equestrian world? You get Mackie USA, which successfully markets fashion-focused equine accessories like fly masks, fly boots, saddle covers, bags, backpacks, and other products adorned with bees and squirrels, frogs, birds, and crazy patterns. Mackie's founder, Megan Robinette, joins us today to tell the story. Hey, Megan Robinette, thanks so much for joining us on the Wisdom by Wessa show. Well, thank you for calling me. I appreciate it. 
my co-host and longtime partner in this business, Casey Coletti, is on the phone. Casey owns horses. Casey has a fashion sense. Her horse has a fashion sense. Her daughter has a fashion sense. And I'm going to let her talk a lot about the exciting format you have. I'll chat a bit with you about the business. Maybe to put that in perspective, let's do real quick a summary of how you got from being in the retailing and fabric uh, business into the equine fashion business. Hmm. Well, it is kind of interesting. It was a big segue, wasn't it? I yeah, it was. Had, it was. I, I was trained in retail and I'd been a buyer for a large um, company and then was recruited into manufacturing, which always, I really loved product development. It was always my passion. So I was excited to be recruited into that. Um, and at one point, I actually worked for a large um, retailer, Target, I worked in product development, which was the perfect um, relationship for me because I worked directly with all the buyers and I worked with the designers. And then I worked with overseas offices that we had internationally. So it was kind of a fabulous job, a really good experience. So when I left there, I was recruited to an accessory, a women's accessory company, because I always wanted to learn accessories, and I knew mostly apparel, um, men's, women's, kids, um, juniors. So this was kind of a fun time for me to learn the manufacturing of leather and belts and handbags, and it's way fun. So when I left there, I was recruited by some of my factories to work directly with them. And I did that for about 12 years, worked overseas, and took all of my accounts, which included Target again, and Gap, and Nordstrom's, and a lot of other people, I would escort them overseas, and we would work on their products. Um, because, you know, it's challenging for the overseas offices, because they're not, they don't understand the U.S. market or Canadian market as well. So I was a liaison, and because I had more of a design background in product development, I was able to work that out. Well, at some point, I was really tired of traveling overseas. I had a friend that was a local manufacturer. Maybe you've heard of it, Mrs. Pastures Horse Cookies. You've heard of them? Um, I have not, but go ahead. Well, we we had horses at the same barn, and we'd be trudging around, you know, walking them or lunging them. And I did some products for her with her cookies, and she said, you should do your own line. You really should. And I really wasn't pleased with what I was seeing out there for horses and for riders. Uh, everything was either a solid color and a drab color, or it was um, a plaid, not even very many plaids. And I did like a little fashion for my horse and for myself. So I had a lot of contacts overseas at that point. So I started working with them. And in 2018, I launched my company which was a lot harder than I thought it would be, to be honest. I was pretty naive going into it. I thought, oh, well, you know, it's not a big deal. I've been doing this for years. You forget about all the little minutiae that you have to do when you have a startup company. You, you know, getting your trademark, getting your logos, getting your the prints just right, deciding what was going, what my, my product was going to be, and, and having a point of view about it. Um, so, you know, just to make it short, it, it took a little bit longer than I thought. And I was picky about the quality. That was the one thing that I was not going to sacrifice, quality for fashion. 
So I had to find the right factories and I had to educate them on how I wanted everything executed. And so it took a little bit longer. So that's why it took me until 2018 to launch it. Um, So that's how I got started. And so 2018, you brought out your first product line? I did. Very well edited. I went to a little local show um, on the West Coast to see what the reception was going to be. And everybody was lovely. I mean, there were competitors there that I didn't know were competitors that were, you know, not as welcoming as I, I thought they'd be. But the reception was terrific. I thought, you know, this is going to be a little innovative because I'm doing prints and things like hay bags and tack organizers and fly masks. You know, I did a, one of the things that I did was a bee. I knew from the beginning that I wanted to do a collection with bees on it. I have no idea why, but I did. And people loved the bee collection, which has turned out, you know, almost five years later to be one of the um, biggest producers for us. We, we keep adding to the collection because it does so well. Who would have thought a fly mask with, a, with bees on it, would everybody would love. But apparently, not only do equestrians like it, it doesn't matter if they're Western or English, they both like it, which is lovely. But there are also a lot of beekeepers and a lot of horse people own bees. Did you guys know that? I had no I idea. <laughs> I do know a lot of people that do. <laughs> they do. So that was really a nice, I mean, that was just luck on my end. I didn't know that. So a lot of the beekeepers loved all my tote bags, and they were horse people, so they'd buy two of everything, one for their bees, one for their horses. So that worked out really well. And based on all of the information that that first show they gave me, I went back and I started adding some items because, you know, I didn't know. It was just from my point of view of what I felt that horses needed. And so I was picky about it, and I didn't add everything. But I did start adding gradually items, which is kind of an apparel, ready-to-wear fashion thing that you offer new collections. I don't just offer new collections every year or season. I add new products based on how my products perform. If they perform well and that print does well, then I'll add new products to it. Yeah, basically you went from function to fashion. I did. You know, that's the fine line. You know, I had seen some silly things out there for years. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I would never put that on my horse. I'm not going to embarrass him. You know, I just wouldn't do it. But it's a fine line. I'm kind of, um, I'm tasteful about it. But I'll do, like, for example, one of the first lines we did, which I thought was going to be for the little girls. But actually, the older riders love it as much as the young girls. Yeah. And it's pink and white polka dots. With gingham oh. and a turquoise and white, um, yeah. and I thought, you know, they love that, right? Uh-huh. Well, it turned out a lot of the ladies loved it. Yeah, it's called modern vintage, and you know what I do is I'll I did a pink polka dot fly mask, and everybody loved it. And it wasn't just for mares of all things; they were putting on in geldings because some of the gals would say, you know, we have a lot of horses in pasture, and so I want to be able to find it if it comes off. And I yeah. said, well. You know, it's all the Velcro. Our Velcro really sticks. It sticks. And so I had Uh one lady that came back the next year and she said, you know, that gelding, he was so embarrassed. He wore that pink polka rock fly mask all year because it never came off. She goes, I never found it in pasture. (laughs) So I took that as a compliment. I know. It's funny, right? (laughs) 
satisfying well, out at, that gelding. At, at some point, um, obviously, fashion became very huge and very different and evolving mm-hmm. in the Western world on humans. But then it, right. it segued into um, horses. And I, I don't know exactly at what point that was, but I can definitely see where that, that changed exponentially. And maybe that's when your, your blind launched in 2018. <laughs> but <laughs> nonetheless, it, it, it is um, obviously, like you said, the trending of new collections and things like that. Um, but I wanted to mention something. The Velcro. That is the one thing that I have always found an issue with fly mass, especially the Velcro does not last very long. So tell us about that, because I think that's obviously a huge selling point. It is, you know, Velcro is a tough thing and there's different brands of it. Some of them, the brand, there's a brand called Velcro. I don't happen to buy that. I buy another one that's a safety closure, but it's very similar to that. Um, And what I did is, I'll be honest, you know, my company, because I came from you know, big companies, and I came from ready to wear, I wear test everything before I put anything in production. So before I started, what that means is on humans, you know, when I was in retail, we all had to wear everything (laughs) several times and then wash it and then let our, our design people know what was happening with the fabrics, the zippers, the buttons, anything on it. Yeah. Well, Uh with horses, it's a little bit different. So what I would do is I would take all my prototypes and I would take them to several barns and I'd put them on nice horses, bad horses, naughty horses, because I needed to know what the problems were going to be. And Velcro, fit and Velcro were big issues. And so, you know, not everything is going to fit every breed because there's so many different, different varieties out there. But at uh-huh. least I think I've done, done a, a good job with the majority of fits. And uh-huh. so on the Velcro, I brought in all kinds of fly masks with different Velcro and or or, or the the function of Velcro. Yeah. And what I finally did is I finally landed on one that is really stiff. You do you do need to clean it, and that's one thing you need to educate the consumers about. You can't just put a fly mask on and expect they're rolling in shavings, they're yes. rolling in dirt, dirt rock, uh-huh. pea gravel. Yeah, it's stuff is going to get in it. And what uh-huh. I have found, the best thing to do is you take a little, the little cat brushes that are sold for like a dollar, dollar ninety nine at pet stores, and you take one of those. They have wire on them, but they're tiny, and you just clean uh-huh. your Velcro every once in a while. So you do need to hose off your, you know, like you can machine wash yeah. my, my, my fly masks and boots, or you can just nice. hose them off, which is what I do. My horse is in, in turnout every day and he comes back filthy. I just take it, I hose it off, I hang it up and he's good to go for the next morning. So that's what you need to do to maintain your Velcro. But really I wear tested it and found the best one that was going to work for me and my company. It's, Great to let any potential retailers maybe listening to the show know what the selling points are because if I if I was looking to carry products in my store, I'd always look to see the marketability of it and sure. you know what sets your products apart from the rest. Are they prettier? Are they <laughs> do they perform better? Um, and so it mm-hmm. sounds like your your products have all of those things. And what can you talk point of your products compared to um, competitors? 
Well, really what my pro- what makes my product different and stand away from others is it is there I'm known for my prints. And I've been approached by um other clients that we set, other vendors to uh-huh. do joint ventures with them because they love my prints. Nice. But you know what? That's not going to keep you just going. That's going to be eye-catching and it's fun. Sure. But that's not going to maintain a business. No. It really isn't, you know. No. And so I do my prints because that's the fun part of what I do. But the practicality of it, there has to be a reason for everything I produce. This is my money. So, you yeah. know, I'm not a big corporation. <laughs> so yeah. I have to finance everything. So I have to make okay. a decision. Is this going to be not only a good item, but is it going to be useful? Is it practical? And the quality has, can I execute it to the quality that I want? Because I, for example, all my bags, I sell so many bags. And it's because the quality, because I was in the handbag business, you guys should sometime, if you're, you come by my booth, I'll show, I'm happy to show you. The bags, I did a little overkill on how they're executed. They're <laughs> all finished seams. They're all covered, just like you would have in a nice handbag. Oh, because yeah. why shouldn't you have it? I don't expect you to have to buy a new tack tote every year. That's not the goal. You should own right. this tack tote and have it for several years. And the sure. reason I do a lot of my products in mesh is because you can hose it off. It can all be cleaned. You're going to have accidents. You're going to spill things in it. They're going to have hay in it. It's going to have hair in it. You need to be able to clean it out. So you can just take my products, turn them inside out, and hose them off. And you're good to go again. And they breathe. Everything breathes. You know, a lot of people, you know, 20, 30 years ago, used to make a lot of the tack totes out of canvas or a uh, duck cloth. Uh-huh. But yes. they mold. And I cannot stand mold, especially around my uh, animals. I don't want right. mold, you know. So this mesh, it, it has UV properties, first of all. So uh-huh. it doesn't fade. You can hose it off. It drains because it's got all its mesh. It has holes in it. And it's fun looking. I mean, you're not embarrassed to carry the thing around. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's kind of fun. You know, you can carry well, it as a handbag. Yeah. Where do you get your inspiration from when you're looking at, you know, to put out new designs? Yeah. How do you know you want to do a frog? <laughs> <laughs> well, I wasn't sure I wanted to do a frog. I'll be honest with you. I wasn't a big fan of the frog. I have, desi- I have two designers that work with me, but I also, I have to give them the concepts. And tell them where I want to go. So when I added the frogs, okay, the bees did so well that I knew critters were going to be a, a, a good item. But when I did the bees, I also knew right from the beginning I wanted to do a black and white group because I think that appeals to not only the Western girls, but the English writers, the dressage and hunter jumpers. A nice black and white with maybe a touch of red. And I wanted to do a, some florals and some plaid, a plaid and a stripe. So I introduced um, the dandelion, which is all black and white, and it has polka dots, which do really well, and stripes and a plaid. And then I added, at the same time, the modern vintage, which was a pink polka dot and a floral and a turquoise. So I was a collection buyer for years for a major, very expensive company, and it taught me how to edit. And so you have to have a clear vision about what you want to do because otherwise you're going to be all over the board. So when I decided, okay, I want a pop of color, I want some florals, I want some gingham. I mean, I had to know what I wanted right from the get-go. So what I do is I take every magazine that you know of 
and I rip out pages constantly during the year, or I'm on, you know, media and I'm, I'm printing up things and I make storyboards for myself and I make the storyboards and then I edit them and I keep editing and I'll change them. And then I'll decide, okay, this is what I want it to be. So that's how I started out with the original collection, which was very small, very tight. It was basically tack organizers, fly masks, a hay bag, um, fly boot. And that was pretty much it. And then as we've grown, I will add things. I'll decide, you know what, when the pandemic started, people were pretty depressed and we weren't traveling to shows. And I spoke to my designers and I said, we need to do something that's kind of positive. And they said, you know, frogs bring good luck. Now, I'm not a huge fan of frogs, personally. I didn't really dig frogs. But I was like, well, I don't want to really see a frog with eyeballs. You know, I don't really want to see that. But frogs do bring good luck in a lot of different cultures. And these are cute frogs. They're flying frogs. They're flying, first of all. So They're cute frogs, Mike. Cute frogs, okay. They're cute frogs. They're not. They're not hideous frogs. Honestly, something that was gonna that was going to appeal to boys, you know, and men, because we were looking a little girly, you know. Then we were, you know. I do sell probably eighty percent to women and twenty percent to men, but everybody, I couldn't believe it. Everybody loved the frogs. First of all, frogs apparently bring good luck. And a lot of women collect frogs. So I was hesitant and only brought in two pieces initially. I brought in um, a fly mask and a fly boot. And that was it. Because I was like, I'm not convinced this is going to do well. Well, much to my surprise, it did really well. Everybody loved it. And so we started adding pieces to it. You know, a treat bag and a wash rack tote. um, And... You know, just different items, um, you know, like a carry-all bag, and it does super well. You know, the young kids love it. The little boys love it. Like, a lot of the, the tack and feed stores will say, oh, we've got something for the little boys. It's bad enough we have to dress them in girls' breeches. So, you know, it's, um, you know, so this is, that's how the frogs got started. And, you know, I'll be honest, because I do a lot of business with eventers, and um, the inventors really love odd prints. They're always faxing me and texting me and messaging me on Facebook and asking things like, can you do a mermaid? You know, I really try and keep it within the equestrian world. I try and not go too far astray. I do a little bit, but, you know, I try and keep it together. And so one of the things that... um we actually worked on this year because they love, um, they love the prints is we worked on a fat pony unicorn. You know, a lot of people do unicorns, but we made ours. Um, he's kind of flying. He kind of, <laughs> he's kind of flying, but he, he's uh, fat and he's a pony. So he's not, you know, trim and slim and it's done fabulous. You know, it's done really well. Everybody loves our fat pony unicorn. So we're thoughtful about what prints we bring in, but we know that we have to offer one. Like we just brought in a new one this month, which is a weird time to bring in a fly mask. But I do have a lot of um, uh, areas that we're in that are seasonal, like Florida and Southern California and Arizona. They need fly masks year round. 
So I bring it in in September, a new print in September, just to see how it's going to do for, you know, and we'll know for the spring. So we just bought a new one called Sir Squirrel because squirrels are on the property. And so one squirrel has a Western saddle and one squirrel has an English saddle on them and um, it has acorns on it. And it's doing really well. Everybody seems to like their squirrel. You're not doing this for fun. You really have a business. And to have that kind of a business, you need people who are carrying the line, retailers who are going to offer to their customers. And I want to chat just a little bit away from the the birds and the bees and the frogs for a moment and really talk (laughs) more about how you've gone about building and how you want to continue to build the retail line of stores that are carrying your products and also for retailers who are listening to this show and have not heard of or have not used your and carried your line before what your stipulations are and how you go about doing it but you had told me in a preceding conversation that you really want to refer people who come to you to a retailer rather than selling direct online that's true i know that's kind of counterproductive I use my website more as a marketing tool so that customers can see the entire collection because tack and feed stores have limitations in their stores about how much, you know, they can carry because of the size and the space. And if they can just go to a website, they can see everything that I carry. And I do have some stores that they may not carry the whole line, but they'll get custom requests for something and then they'll call me and they'll, you know, just buy that and I will send it to them. A lot of the clients I meet at WISA, and I used to do ADA as well when it was in Pennsylvania, but we do meet a lot of people at WISA, but also it's constantly on the phone. My sales reps and I are always on the phone, and because of the health issues, the, the pandemic that we had you know, recently, nobody wanted to see anybody anyway. So we're doing it virtual. We're doing it, you know, we can refer them to look at our website. We can send them order forms that have all the pictures and the pricing, and then we can have a conversation about what's going to work for them. Because I own my own company, I can decide who I'm going to do business with and who I'm not. And I've never had uh, minimums, which you know my friend had recommended because you know we when we started 30 years ago, we never had minimums. And so I've never had minimums because I find um, I want people to buy as much as they're going to sell. I want them to set be set up to succeed with my product, not to inundate them with product that's just going to sit there for a year. You know, I'm, I have a warehouse in California where we ship every day, including Saturdays. So we have the ability to get people back in stock very quickly. Um, so that's kind of, you know, our, our motto and how we're operating. Um, you know, there are a lot of mobile units that they only need small things. So we've intentionally added items to our product group that's going to work for them. Things like key fobs and treat bags and document bags in the last couple of weeks. And they're doing really well. Um, and they're equestrian fanny packs, so they're a little bit different. They it, And going back to fashion, Casey, it makes me laugh because originally they were made to sit in the base of the back. They're different fanny packs so that the riders could wear them as they're riding. But I asked a lot of the young girls to model them for me, and they're putting them on their hip. They're putting them cross body. I was dying. 
But however they want to wear them, I mean, they, they are doing really well. And the document bags, I'm selling like hotcakes because everybody needed something to put their medical records and even passports if they're going international. And these, these document bags are made out of rainproof material and they have a carabiner on them so you can attach them to a bag or, or whatever. And I actually, I was hauling my horse up to um, UC Davis last week and I put all of his records in this um, bag and I used one that was the Fat Pony Unicorn and I thought I was going to give the cardiologist a heart attack because he was looking at it and I said, he goes, oh, can I keep this? And I said, oh, you want my, you want my document back? And he goes, no, I want all the paperwork. And I'm like, oh, okay. I was, I was so focused on my unicorns, but he wanted the whole, you know, just wanted the paperwork, but whatever. So yes. And you know, the smaller stores do really a good job with the backpacks, the equestrian backpacks. So I also sell to a lot of, um, kids that bike because there's a spot for their helmets. So, but the equestrian backpacks, they're always really fun. They come in four different prints and one solid. And then we always put a bright color of lining or something inside of it, but it's got spots for their, you know, spurs. It's got a spot for their helmet, a water bottle, a cell phone, a secret pocket so they can put their money in it. Um, so we just try and be thoughtful. And again, it goes back to before we go into production, we wear test it at lots of barns with a variety of riders and horses before we even start producing it. And we try and make sure that we're carrying every, everything that you could possibly need um, in one bag or one fly mask or one, you know, treat bag, whatever. Well, I tell you, it's, Did that it's your question. You, yeah, and it's amazing. In five years, you managed to reach the point you're now in. But I have to think that it was your experience in the garment business, the fabric business, the retail business that allowed you to shorten the product development uh, time frame and also to know exactly what you wanted the people who were testing the products, what you wanted them, kind of feedback you wanted, and then you seem to be able to very quickly turn around and add those features, or maybe you even subtract some features after they've been tested. So in five years, uh, you've done an amazing job in coming from an idea to a product line. Were you thinking about going international with the line? I am, because, you know, because of this last show in August, I had I had two international large companies approach me about doing joint ventures um, because they liked my prints and they're very limited in what their assortment is and I have a little you know I, I do a rain sheet I don't do blankets because of the duties and tariffs and I won't until those come down but I do a rain sheet and I do you know a variety of classifications and they came to me and asked me if I would consider that. And I said, I would if I got brand recognition along with you because it's all about marketing. And so I thought, well, that could be a, you know, if it's not a, if it's not, um, say it's a blanket, I'm not doing blankets. So that wouldn't be a conflict of interest for me, you know, to do that as long as the label had both of our names on it. But yes, I, based on that, and I've had over the years, I've had different accounts from like Austria, New Zealand, 
buy my product. And then you don't see them again because they don't travel again and you can't get hold of them. So I, I really am interested in being in Europe just to begin with, because I think there's, there's a hunger for this kind of product. Nobody's doing these kind of prints anymore. Oh, I've asked Sophia as well. I've been on her. I said, what, <laughs> what are your favorite stores? Who do you know in Germany? Because it's, I think it's going to be important for me and for the expansion of my company because there's more things that I still want to do. And I feel like right now, there's a few more things I want to do for horses. And I'm probably going to have to move that production to another country. But I also want to do more for the riders. I think there's a niche there for me as well with potential growth. So I want to do that. And that all takes working capital. So I need more revenue coming in to do that. You know, plus on the back burner and, you know, I have always, I've had, always had a dog and a dog line. I've always done it and it was in leather. Um, and I stopped production on it because I didn't like the way it was being executed. And I really wanted to do this equestrian. So I could add that as well in the future. And I think that would lend itself to Europe as well. Well, clearly your marketing and merchandising history and experience shows through in the way you approach the business. We could chat about this for a long time. This is a fun topic. Sign us up for the unicorn. Sign us up for the unicorn. Okay. (laughs) I know. I know the unicorns are the best, but you know what, Casey, you'll love the, I think the, the Southwest collection we just introduced is absolutely charming. And it took me a long time, and I specifically did that for more of the Western riders because I do have a lot of barrel racers that follow me. So it took me a bit, but I the line is adorable. And that is one of the lines that some of the distributors from Europe were wanting. I'm like, apparently I there's see. a lot of Western riders in Spain, Portugal, uh-huh. and Sophia can speak to this, Germany. Yeah, yeah, awesome. Well, my daughter calls all my shots now. And so I don't even have to ask her. I know she's going to put it down under the unicorn. I was wondering, I was going to ask about dogs. It just seemed like you rarely find horses without dogs. And I thought that's got to be another, uh, uh, another four legged, uh, market that you could. It uh, is. Yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right, Mike. I, I'm excited about it and I've had the line all together for several years. It's just, I put all my money and emphasis into the equestrian, but I'm going to revisit that because that line is adorable. And now that I I know that the market um, is open to these prints and, you know, that I can do it. I can do it. And I don't do much leather. So I'm slowly starting um, to do a little bit of leather probably next year. And then once I get that rolling and and feel confident that we can, execute and produce it correctly, then I will add that line. Megan, I want to tell you, it's been a a lot of fun talking with you. Uh, Obviously, you're very creative, but you've got a strong sense of business. These are the kind of things that retailers look for in their vendors. Retailers want vendors who are going to be with them, who understand their business, but who provide them, especially in what you're doing with different kinds of approaches to products and products that will sell. Uh, And I think you've checked both of those boxes uh, with Mackey USA. And we really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. It's been a lot of fun. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate your time and listening and great questions. I appreciated it. Well, thank you. 
Show notes and links from today's show can be found at the website wisdombywessa.com. And of course, we'd love to have your feedback. If you'd like to provide some, there's a contact link on that website. The Wisdom by Wessa show will be published on the 15th and 30th of every month. You can listen on most of your favorite podcast players, and you can also listen on the Horse Radio Network app on your iOS or Android phone. You just search Horse Radio Network in the app store. It's free and super easy to use. Be sure to visit all the great shows on the Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. Thanks for listening to the Wisdom by Wessa podcast. Wessa, where the industry meets.